Hello, welcome to today's episode. Today I will be reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1964 titled, I am called by thy name, O Lord. Audience, tonight's title is taken from the book of Jeremiah. It's the 15th chapter, the 16th verse. Thy words were found, and I ate them. And thy words became to me the joy and the delight of my heart. And then he tells the results of eating these words. For I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of hosts. He found the words, he ate them, assimilated them. And then it produced this knowledge that he who ate them, who assimilated them, is actually the very being that is the cause of all the phenomena of life. The whole vast universe was himself pushed out, that everything was created by him, and he didn't know it until he found the words. Then he ate them, and having eaten them, he assimilated them. And that's what you and I are called upon to do. We take food in, and we assimilate what we can build up into our or what we can build into our system, and then we reject what we cannot use. Well, the Bible is the same way. We have taken the vehicle that conveyed the instruction for the instruction, and we have mistakenly taken personifications for persons in the gross first sense for the ultimate sense intended. And so, like food, you take it in, and then the system discriminates between what it can use, what it can assimilate and build into its system, and what it must expel, what it must reject. And we read, so we're told, and they read from the law, or and they read from the law, and they read it clearly. This is the book of Nehemiah, 8th chapter, 8th verse. And they read it clearly so that they heard it with understanding. When they heard it with understanding, well, then they could discriminate and reject the instrument that conveyed it, and then accept what it conveyed, the kernel, the life's essence of it, as it were. So tonight our story is, I am called by thy name. Now what is the name? Well, we are told the name of the strong tower, and the righteous man runs into it and, it is, and is saved. I will respond, I will answer all who call me by my name. He will answer everyone who calls by his name. Well, now, how will I call this night? Because I'm also told, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Anything that you ask in my name, I'll do it. That you'll find in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it, but find out the name. Well, now there are millions this night asking in certain names, and they're not getting any response, so it may not be the name. What is the name? Either then the promise is a lie, or they haven't the right name. <clears throat> now in the Bible, a name, whether of a man, an angel, a deity, regardless of what it represents in Scripture, it simply in some wonderful way reveals the character of its bearer. So if Moses, who claims that he had a revelation of the name of God, is going to impress the elders with what he claims that he heard and what he saw, he has to know the name. And so he said, this is my revelation. It came to me in this form. I am has sent you. When I go to the people of Israel and they insist on a name, what shall I tell them? Just say, I am that I am. And when you go, say, I am has sent you. That's all. Now is that the name? I tell you, it is the name as told us in the third chapter of Exodus. It's not only my name, it's my name forever. 
my name for all generations forever and forever. Just I am, verses 13 through 15. <coughs> well, <coughs> excuse me, how do I call upon I am? If the God I worship has the name I am, then it seems to me that only through what I am can I worship him aright. So how can I call this night on the name? So you can call me Neville and I respond. If I walk down the street and I hear the name John, I don't turn around. If I hear the name Neville, I will stop and respond because that's my name. For I am told if he calls upon my name, I will answer him. If he doesn't call on my name, I can't respond. I can only respond to my name. Oh, well, how then will I call upon God's name? His name is I am. Well, I put it to the test, and I tried unnumbered ways putting it to the test. The name is I am. That's what we're told. In Scripture, the word is Jehovah. In the New Testament, the, that same I amness is spelled Jesus. But the word Jesus doesn't respond. The word Jehovah doesn't respond. I am does respond. But how does it respond? <clears throat> here comes this day a letter to me. He's here tonight. He said, I am from the Midwest. My mother and brother have had nothing but physical problems. I mean health problems. He came out of the Second World War emotionally disturbed, and he's been in and out of the Veterans Hospital. Well, constantly, really. He's always taking these psychological treatments. For four years, I made a little plan. I called it my mailing program. And I mailed them what I called metaphysical literature for four years, hoping that they would read it and would have a change of attitude towards life and bring about a change in themselves. For the medical world seemed not to help. They got no help from the medical world. So I thought, well, now I'll get this and call it my program, my plot. Well, at the end of four years, I heard you and then I stopped it. I stopped sending them books which I didn't realize until only two weeks ago that they never even read one, of, or they never even read one of the books. As they came, they threw them into the ash can. But I didn't know that until two weeks ago when a neighbor of my mother from the Midwest came paying a visit to the West Coast. And she told me as the mail arrived, books right straight to the ash can. So they never once read a book in keeping with what Ben Franklin said about books that were given. He said that people seldom read a book that is given to them, and the best way to spread a thought is to charge a modest price for it. Don't give a book, charge a modest price for it, and because they've invested, they read. But this was not an investment on their part. The son sent these books week after week, in the hope that in some strange way the mother would read them, the brother would read them, and bring about in themselves a change of attitude towards society, which they didn't. So, he said, what I did was this. I couldn't reach them by sending them gifts of books and having heard you that the whole thing is myself. Didn't you have to depend upon my mother reading a book or my brother reading a book? I could do it. So, I assumed full responsibility now to produce a change in them. Though we, ha though we are hundreds of miles away, no physical contact, save by letter. Took a letter in my hand, a mental letter in my mental hand, and I could actually see. He used the word actual. I could actually see my brother's hand writing, and then I read what I wanted to read when I opened that letter. Then that I am feeling much better, or 
Okay, I opened the letter that I am feeling much better and my mother is much better than she has been. I read it over and over in the, his handwriting. On the morning of the 24th of February last month, I received a letter dated the 22nd from my brother, word for word. Because he actually told me what he said and then he quoted from his brother's letter. Not one word, not a comma was out of place. That his letter is coming across space saying to his brother there, or saying to his brother here, he said, may I tell you now, well, not in 10 years have I had anything but a negative letter from my mother and my brother, not once concerning their health condition, but a negative state. And here in three weeks, I did it for three weeks every day and quite often several times in the course of the day. When I thought of it, I simply repeated it. At the end of three weeks, this letter came and the following day, one from my mother. This is what she said. I have not felt better in 15 years from the two that were simply hypochondriacs. He said, I know now imagining does create reality. I don't have to spend my money sending them books to get them to read it. All I need is the desire on my part to help them. And then it becomes my responsibility. And so I simply went to the end. The end was a letter in my hand where I could actually see my brother's handwriting and then read the contents of that letter as I wanted to read it. So I actually wrote the letter that I read three weeks later. It was written in my brother's handwriting, but I dictated that letter. The whole thing was all within me. So I know today I can support this claim. Imagining does create reality. So that's the name. Call upon my name. Who was doing it? And I said to him, he said, well, I am. And he would have told me, but he said, I told no one. I kept it as my secret. I never confided to anyone. I just said, I am, I am hearing from my brother. So he was calling on the name, the only name in this world that responds. The name, Jesus. Yes, it's the most glorious name in the world, but only when you know the name, what it means. And Jesus actually means I am, if you know how to spell it. It's spelled Yahweh Shin Ayin Joshua. You break it down Yahweh or Yahweh Shin Ayin. There's a definite reason for the Shin and the name. A Shin is a flame, a fire, and an Ayin is an eye. And so Yahweh would be Jehovah, but the name in an active state, which is called Jesus, is God in action. Same thing. Do you believe in Jesus? What do you think of Jesus? Someone asked Blake, and he said, Jesus, why he's the only God, but so am I. So are you. If I tell you this night that you are Jesus, would you be embarrassed? Are you going to bend your head in shame or think that I am blaspheming the name of God? I mean it when I tell you that you are Jesus. You don't know it yet, but you are Jesus. That God actually became man, that man may become God. The day will come. I hope it's tonight, but it comes to every child born of woman, then they will know who they are. And in the very end, because the story of Jesus is all about the end, has nothing to do with your social world, anything here at all, it's all about the end. Eschatology is the only story of Jesus, so he comes only to fulfill scripture, the end. And what was the end? That God so loved man that he actually gave himself for ye for you and the Son are one.
but actually gave himself to man because of his love of man. He became man and lost himself in man. But when he actually gave himself to man, bear in mind God was father. So if someone who is a father gives himself to me, but completely gives himself to me, well then I must be a father. Regardless of my sex, regardless of my position in this world, if he succeeds in his purpose of giving himself to me, and he who gave himself to me was a father, then I must be a father. He has it all planned out, how to reveal to me that he gave himself to me, and so he reveals it in his son. There's no way in the world that God can prove to me that he gave himself to me, save he has a son, that is his only begotten son. Then that only begotten son in the depths of my soul I see him, and I know he is my son, and he calls me father. I know he is my son, he knows I'm his father. There's no way in eternity that God the Father could ever give himself to man and convince man to whom he gave himself that he succeeded in his purpose of that giving himself to man unless the Son reveals the gift. So out of the depths of the soul of man comes the Son, and the Son is David. So a riddle is asked in the book of Proverbs, the 30th chapter of the book of Proverbs, who has established the ends of the earth. What is his name, and what is his son's name? Surely you know, verse 4, so we're told we know. Well, where is he? In the depths of the man is his son. He's called a lamb in scripture, and a lamb means the eternal youth, the eternal lad, the eternal son. Ecclesiastes 3.11 The question is constantly asked, where? Who is he, and who is that son? Whose son are you, young man? Whose son is that stripling? whose son, 1 Samuel 17:56, and then no one knows. No one will know until he appears in the depths of the soul of the individual to whom God now reveals his purpose. You see the son, and the son calls you father. So what is his fabulous name? The name is I Am. For purposes here on earth, it's I Am. But in the end, you will know the meaning of these words, and all will become king. Who? The Lord will become king over all of the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one, Zechariah 14.9. So you and the other three billion or four billion of us in the world will one day have the satisfaction of knowing that God fulfilled his purpose in you. You will see God's only begotten son and he'll call you father, Psalm 2.7. Well, he's already called me father. So if he calls me father and he calls you father, then you and I are one. Without loss of identity, or the father of the same son. Then we understand the great mystery of this compound unity, where here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Deuteronomy 6.4 The I am, our I am's form, one I am. So the whole vast world, all are aware of being. So if I'm, if I'm aware of being, I say I am, and you are aware of being. So you say I am. But you think you differ from me because I respond to Neville, and you respond to John or some other name. But gradually we're moving towards one name, for in that day the Lord will be one and his name one. So I'll tell you that name, in that day your name is Jesus. Self-born, born out of your own wonderful being, brought forth, and you're Jesus. Because Jesus is the Father of the only begotten Son of God. When you see me, you see the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? 
When you see me, you see the Father, John fourteen nine. And so, did not David call me Lord? said he. If David in the Spirit calls me Lord, how can I be David's son? Matthew twenty two forty two. Well, David called me Lord, called me Adonai. He called me my father. So if he called me father, how can I be David's son? And so he reveals himself as the father, for he who sees me sees the father. Everyone will have the experience of being called by David, father, and then you know who you are. So I say, Jesus, you are Jesus, but you haven't yet remembered. He said, this is my name forever, not only forever, but that all generations, thus all generations shall remember me by that name. And that name, when you come right down to it as a sound, it's Jesus. In a practical sense, it's I am. I am writing a letter. What letter? I'm not going to tell you now. I'm writing a letter. It's coming from my brother. I'm writing another letter. It's coming from my mother. And they're telling me what they haven't told me in 10 years because they're always complaining about how terrible they feel. But now I'm going to make them tell me they never felt better. And so my mother's going to write me a letter. Here's a letter in my hand and she's telling me she hasn't been better. And I thought 10 years. She changed the script somewhat because she told me 15 years, but my memory went back 10 years. I can't recall when she wasn't complaining, and so I thought 10 years was long enough. She tells me by her own letter 15 years. My brother tells me he has never felt better, that everything is perfect, and I haven't received a letter of that nature in 10 years from my home in the Midwest. And to discover through the grapevine, a lady comes west, or someone comes west, who saw them and said that every time when the mail came bringing her a gift of a book, right straight to the ash can, didn't even open the book, right into the ash can. Well, I have those too, I must confess. I do the same thing with a few things. I have some Jehovah's Witnesses who are determined to convert me, and I get all kinds of letters from my ex-wife. She sends me these magazines from something. While I look at it, I thank her profusely, then tear it in half and into the ash can. I do the same thing there too. So I must confess, in this way, I have acted in the same strange, strange manner. I have no time to read it. It's called the Watchtower or something. But I'm not on that kind of Watchtower. This is a different kind of Watchtower than I'm talking about here, where there's only God. God is your own wonderful human imagination. That's God. Tonight you can test it, as this gentleman has tested it. As every story I tell you from this platform bears witness to the fact that imagining creates reality. There's no other God. God actually became man, and the end is in God's control. No tyrant is going to change it. If the bombs began to fall now, they aren't going to change the outcome. God planned it as it is, and as it will be, consummated. And no power in the world is going to change it. So the whole vast world is, cons or is responding to the activity taking place in us. And much of, of it is confusion because we don't know the name of God. So we go to church, we light candles, we do all kinds of things, and call upon a name. That isn't going to help at all. You could be right in a bar if you're ever up against a sixth glass and not quite sure what you're seeing, and carrying on an inward conversation with self from premises of fulfilled desire. And in a way that no one knows, it will come to pass. It has nothing to do with your outer behavior, your activities. What are you doing on the inside? So we are warned time and again, 
you've heard it said. Well, I'll tell it, said he. If you look on anything lustfully, you've committed the act. Matthew 5.28 For that very act of feeling was the act. Whether you restrain the impulse, following that feeling makes no difference. You did it. In the very moment of contemplating a thing with pleasure, you were doing it. Well, you contemplate the receipt of a letter with pleasure. I received the letter, and oh, what wonderful news. Contemplated with pleasure. That's lusting. Not just a physical lust after a woman or a woman after a man, but a lust after the receipt of a letter, with contents bearing witness to the fact that this imagining creates reality. And then wait for it. It will come. His took three weeks. What is a matter of three weeks? Three months? May it come in three seconds. It could come. I've had it happen while I was in the act of doing it. I've had the phone ring to disturb my meditation, and I hadn't even completed it. I was doing it and hearing it vividly when the phone rang, and I'm answering the phone to hear confirmation of what I'm doing on the inside. It all depends on where you are, on what level, because there's no difference between divine imagining and human imagining save in the degree of intensity. So if I withdrew long enough or deeply enough, then I'm more intense. And so if I really withdrew, if I shut out the entire world and then I start going into the depths of myself to hear something, then I'm more intense, so the phone rang. <clears throat> but if I don't, I'm disturbed by the noise and I'm concerned about other things. Well, then I'm not withdrawing enough. It still works, but then it takes a little longer. Like putting on a little single light under the pot. It will boil eventually, but you can increase the flame and boil it quicker. And so the whole thing is within us. <clears throat> so when the Bible speaks of God, they're speaking of Jesus. And they're speaking of your imagination. When Blake speaks, say for instance of the great poetic genius, to him, God was a poetic genius. And you say, well, I'm not a poet. You aren't? Have you ever had a dream? Do you know any... Any something... Uh, any point, I think it's any poem in this world comparable in structure to a dream. Think of anything in this world. Take a Shakespeare, the world's greatest in, in the use of words, or take a Blake. Do you think anything that Shakespeare ever wrote could compare to your dream? You take a dream in the structure of the dream. Everything falls out in imperfect order, and the conversations are in perfect order. Not one world misplaced, or not one world misplaced, or one word misplaced, I think, and every character speaking just as they should speak, and the whole thing is unfolding, and you're doing it. Aren't you a poet? There isn't a poem in this world that could, can compare to a dream, and the whole dream unfolds so vividly before the mind's eye. You also are not only the author of the dream, you also throw yourself into, into the character. You're part of the dream, too. It may be the major character, it may be a minor that you are playing, but you wrote it wrote the whole thing, you dramatize it and externalize it, and actually, while well, you directed it, the whole thing took place in you. So when Blake speaks of the poetic genius as divine imagining, and he calls divine imagining, Jesus, well, can't you imagine? That's Jesus. But if you think for one second that's being blasphemous, no, it's not blasphemous, you dwell upon it. Tonight, you dwell upon it. You sit there and think noble things about others and expect it to come back to you, just as you've imagined. That's Jesus doing it. And don't be ashamed of it, or the day will come. You will not be called, you will not be called possibly Jesus, but you will be called 
father by the very one who called him father. Then you'll know who you are. If he calls you father, and he called him father, are you not father? Well, who did he call father? He called the grand I am this father. So I say to you, eat the words. He said, I found your words and I ate them. I assimilated them. I expelled all the things I could take in, like the instrument that made the story. So all right, I will take that. I'll take the kernel and discard the husk. And then they became to me, your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Why? What did they produce in me? What? As I assimilated them, what did they build? They built this knowledge that I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of hosts. You mean when I read the Bible and actually assimilated it, I discovered the whole book was about me? Yes, I discovered the whole book was about me. That he who brought me into being, as it were, or his emanation, so loved me that he cleaved to me and would let me go until he actually fulfilled his purpose to give me himself, and he being God the Father, and I being his wife, his emanation, that he cleaved to me and wouldn't let me go until I actually became one with him. When that was completed, that union had to result in a child, for this is a male-female. God the Father, as we're told in the 54th chapter of the book of Isaiah, your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, verse 5. And so my maker is my husband, I am his emanation. And he cleaved to me until this dream of life comes to an end. It's called death. Until this death disappears. Then I am he. Well, this union must result in something creative, and that is a son. So he brings into my world his son, but by then I am he. And so the son calls me father. I'm telling you what I know from experience. I'm not speculating. I'm not theorizing. These are not opinions. I never heard it from a man. I was never taught it. It came by the revelation of Jesus Christ. When I least expected it, it happened to me, and it happened in such a marvelous manner. I can say to everyone, do not despair. I don't care what you have done, ever done. The love of God is so intense and so great he isn't going to leave you. He has made a pledge to cleave to you, and he is not going to let go until he has transformed you into himself, and you are he. And so when it is done, you will have to confess that it's grace, it's a gift. You cannot have earned it. No man in the world could earn it. He isn't good enough. Therefore, because he can't earn it, he can't brag about it. It's simply a gift, a gift of God. Grace is simply God's gift of himself to man. When he, when he succeeds in giving me grace, then he gives me himself. And so when he gives me himself, he has to give me a son. He can't be a father, giving me himself and leave me barren. He has to give me a son, or he can't, or he didn't give me himself, if he is a father. Then he has to give me fatherhood. If he is God, he has to give me godship. He has to, he has to or he didn't complete his purpose. So whatever he is when he pledges himself to do something, then I must be it. If his pledge was to give me all that he is, whatever he was before, I must become. And so the fatherhood I am, and if that name, that holy name, is Jesus, well, you may laugh or may walk out of here never to return again. It makes no difference to me. I am he. I'm the same man, Neville, but I am he as you are he. You don't know it, and I know it. I know not because I earned it. I know it because it was given to me. I didn't earn it. No man can earn it. It's a gift. And because it's a gift, everyone will get it. So don't be embarrassed. When you see him, infinite love stands before you. And in the end, there's only one body, strangely enough. 
You are embraced and incorporated into the body of love, and it's your body. It's infinite, not in space. It's human, very human, but it's all love. Infinite in wisdom, infinite in power, infinite in every sense of the word, and it's your body. Never again to be divorced from it, for that body is cleaving to you until you fuse into it. Completely incorporated into the body of God, and that body is Jesus. Because you are one with the body, you are He. Not a little portion of it, the whole, the fullness, is in you. But here, for our practical purposes, I want letters after letters. I want you to take it this night and just try it. Just what the gentleman did. He tried the outside effect. Well, all we all do that first. And so he tried to reach them by gifts of books. And they didn't even read the books. Four years of spending time and money and they all went into the ash camp. Then he stopped after he came to hers. He hasn't been coming here too long. But he heard what you heard, and then he decided that the whole responsibility was his. He isn't going to blame his mother. He isn't going to blame his brother. He isn't going to blame anyone. And he isn't going to try to change them through physical external means. He's going to change them because they are all himself pushed out. He assumed full responsibility for the world in which he lived. So if the whole vast world is myself pushed out, I'll change my aspect. For did not James say the greatest revolution in this century was, dis was the discovery by man that by changing his own inner attitudes of mind, he could change the outer aspects of life? So he didn't argue with others. He only changed the inner attitudes of his own mind. And so he did it by holding the letter, which he was reading, as having come from his brother and having come from his mother. And the letter came at the end of three weeks. A complete radical change of attitude on their part, because there was first a change of attitude on his part. He didn't expect the same kind of letter that he did for ten years. He radically changed it and expected the response. If this world is only response and I am the cause of the response, well, then get about the business and do something about it. We are the operative power. It can't operate itself. We are the operative power. And so if my whole vast world is my imagination made visible, that all that I behold, though it appears without, it is within, in my own wonderful human imagination, and that this world that seems so objectively real and so completely independent of my perception of it is only reflecting the activities taking place in me, well, then do something about it. So I'm asking everyone to do something about it and then write me. Tell me what happened. How did you, how you did it. As this gentleman did, it only took him two pages, not on both sides of the sheet. One page would have done it. And just two simple pages in longhand, he told me the story I told you tonight. And now I say to him, not a thing in this world can stop you but you. You're in business. Go to the top. Go to the end. Hold the, hold the end in your mind's eye. Hold it in your hand if there's something you can hold in your hand implying the fulfillment of your dream. Hold it in your hand as you did the letter. If it's a contract, hold a contract. If it's a bank book with a certain statement, hold it. If it's a morning's paper bringing you the news you want, do you think that's crazy? You can do it. Tomorrow's news can be determined by your own wonderful, it's done anyway, by your own wonderful human imagination. In spite of all the conflicts of the world, try it. Don't say, well, now suppose he operates differently. You'll give him power that doesn't belong to anyone in this world, save he. The story is, I am he. Where is he? 
I am he. So don't think he can do it because I am he. He will only reflect what you are doing. So you are the whole thing. It seems an awful responsibility, but it's true. And in the end, you are the very being that became you. He became you in love. He will raise you up on love. And you will discover that you are the being that did the whole vast world. So you try it. But above all, please share with me that I in turn may share with others your wonderful use of faith. The first thing to do with faith is to begin to live by it. The first thing, just begin to live by it. And it's faith in his name. And his name is I am. If you take the concordance and look up the word name, it's the most exciting search in the world. Through the 66 books, the name, name, and see where it goes. And how he leads you to only one point, confidence in I am. Not in some other being, not no intermediary between yourself and God. Because Jesus, you think, is the intermediary. No, Jesus is your own wonderful I am. That's Jesus. That's God. He is God. He's God the Father, and he became man that man may become God. So, he's dwelling in man. This coming fortnight, we're going to have all over the Christian world stories of his resurrection, stories of his crucifixion, and the same thing's going to happen this year that has happened in previous years. The story will not be properly told. It isn't true. This is the great mystery of life through death. He gave himself to me, completely gave himself to me, and had to die like the little seed must die to be made alive. He died in me. He's buried in me in the tomb, the only tomb in which he was never placed, my skull. When he awoke in my skull, I was he, the same being, I was he. And so the only place where he's ever buried is the skull. And when he comes out, all of the things told you of him you are going to experience. Everything said of him you are going to experience. And the whole thing is only the end, the last days. That's all he's come to reveal. Because all prior to that was preparation. He's only concerned with the eschatological concept of life, the very last days when he awakens a man. So tonight, let me quote it in a simple, simple way. You sit quietly and now forget what you even did one second before. You must be ashamed of what you did. God isn't. You've been made to feel that you did wrong. Or maybe you did wrong in your own mind's eye. But don't think for one moment because you did something that you thought wrong, or society may judge you harshly for, that you are not worthy to call on his name if you know his name. His name is I Am. The night before you could have been plastered, the night before you could have done a thousand things of which you may be ashamed, doesn't stop you from getting the response from God, if you can call his name. So you sit quietly, close your eyes, just aid your attention, and then construct a simple, the simpler the better, the simplest little scene, which implies the fulfillment of the dream. The holding of a piece of paper in your hand from a certain character, and that's what you want. And it reads as you want it. Well, that's it. You want to take the hand of a friend, congratulate the friend on his good fortune, that's it. You want to see the ring on a finger of some friend who is anxious to be happily married in this world? That's it. Whatever is the end implying the fulfillment of the dream, and all you do, you do it naturally and simply as you do it naturally, give it the tones of reality, sensory vividness, and then open your eyes and God, or then hold God trustworthy. God is your own I am. Who did it? I did it. I was doing it. Well, you're saying I am. I am doing it. That's God. Now hold God trustworthy. 
He's infinite in power, infinite in wisdom, and so we can do it. This consciousness, or this conscious reasoning mind can't do it. That was suspended when you actually called upon the name of God. You come back and you wear this conscious reasoning mind. All right, wear it. It's a good mind. Nothing wrong with the reason. But you try this. If you get results, and you will, then it doesn't really matter what others think, does it? For if we have evidence for a thing, does it really matter what the world thinks about it? If I can produce results by a way that seems insane and seems crazy, does it matter if it seems insane if I get the results? So I am called by thy name, and your name is my name. And the name is I am. Not some little thing on the outside. There's nothing more central than I am. If this very night I slept any place in the world, and by using my imagination I could sleep wherever I wanted to sleep in imagination, couldn't I? Would it work? Yes, it will work. I've done it. You have awakened there. How could I go there in the flesh? You will go there in the flesh. Things will happen to compel a change in your world to compel you to make that journey. If you sleep in imagination elsewhere, as though wherever I am, it's here, or wait, elsewhere as though elsewhere were here, because I am can never be other than here. I don't say I am there. Wherever I am, it's here. And so it is always first person and present right here. So I can make here Moscow if I so desired. Then this would vanish and I would actually feel it to be Moscow here. Who is feeling it? I am. That's God. And all things are possible to God. Then, in a way that Neville, the conscious reasoning mind, does not know he'll be compelled to make the journey to fulfillment, or to fulfill the command of God. So do it in this light, and you will not fail, and you'll send me letters, because I really want the letters to encourage everyone here that this thing works. It proves itself in performance. Now, let us go into the silence. All right, so there we have Neville Goddard's lecture titled, I Am Called by the Name, O Lord, from 1964. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode, and I will see you guys next time. Bye now.